You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 853 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. Most of today's show will be a discussion that I had with Brian Schroeder, good friend of the program, about Denny Evdia, one of the top-rated prospects in the NBA draft, and also someone that has always been talked about as a potential option for the Atlanta Hawks. If you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you would know that Brian and I have talked about a bunch of prospects um, headlined by the top, top guys like Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, etc., but we will also get into some guys who are often projected to Atlanta. I think Denny falls in that category. Many more to come, and that's part of a larger conversation, but there you go. That is coming later on with Brian. Before we get to Brian, though, there's a little bit of news I want to catch up on from the weekend. At least most of this stuff broke after I recorded on Friday evening. And the latest there is... The NBA, the Player Association, agreed to push back the CBA termination notice deadline to November 6th. That's later on this week. And ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that, that the NBA, quote, fears delaying the start of the 2020-21 season until, until January could cost the league an additional $500 million to $1 billion, end quote. Those numbers are very high, obviously. We do not know specifically how that number is tabulated. Uh, some CBA experts have been trying to figure that out the entire time. I'm not really sure how they're getting there, but still, it's a larger takeaway from the broader audience is that it's a lot of money that's potentially at stake if they if they wait to start in January versus December. And uh, the players, obviously, are entitled to about half of that in the CBA, so keep that all in mind. That's a big domino with regard to how this is all going to play out. Also, ESPN noted that there is a, quote, level of impatience, end quote, growing on the NBA side. They want to deal in a hurry to begin planning for next season. That makes a lot of sense, too, because we're already into November now. And the at least the NBA's proposition is that they start this thing before Christmas. So that's like seven weeks from now. That's a long time, but also not a long time in this uh, in this sort of parliament. So keep, keep that all in mind as this, as this progresses. Also, the final thing here that was somewhat new from Adrian Wojnarowski's reporting is that there are significant gaps, is the way he put that. That's a quote, significant gaps between the two sides and how they are viewing potential reductions in player salary with all the projected losses they'll be coming with no fans and the potentially reduced revenue. Obviously, the players want to get paid, but at a certain point, if they lose too much salary, the contracts get affected, etc. There's the escrow discussion, all of that stuff that I'm sure a lot of fans don't care about, but definitely matters with regard to how the league is going to function this year and a lot to be negotiated in the coming days. This is sort of a big week, I would say, with regard to the discussions that are happening. They're still ongoing, I'm sure, over the weekend. Nothing is publicly broken between, our, I would say, late Friday night and Sunday, at least in terms of huge, wide, widespread discussions. But it could happen at any time. We'll be here with more discussions on this podcast if we get an update with scheduling stuff, money stuff, etc. I'm not an expert on the CBA, but I know some people that are, so uh, I will keep tabs on all this stuff and pass along the relevant information in the coming days. Anyway, though, stay tuned. It'll be a big week on that front, I am guessing. Okay, before we get to Brian, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. 
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now they're up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel, brownie, lemon, almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, and without further delay, here's a conversation with Brian Schroeder on Denny of Dia. As a reminder, one more time, this is part of a larger conversation that Brian and I have been having on the podcast. Keep that in mind, it's sort of chopped up player by player for ease of listening, but uh, that's just something to put in your head as you're listening to it. It's part of a broader conversation, but still, without further delay, here it is, Brian and I talking about Denny of Dia. Okay, let us go to Denny of Dia, another player who could very well be gone by the time the Hawks pick at number six. In fact, I would project him to be gone by then based on what I am hearing um, and what has been out there in the public. I'm not sure where he's going to go, but it will now get upset to me if he's available at six. But I think uh, the Hawks might be interested in him if he were still around. I want to ask you, broadly speaking, what you think of him because Denny is a player that seems to be on the rise, but also is someone who I personally have some skepticism about with regard to his upside so what what is Denny of Dia for people that have never seen him play um he's weird he's kind of like I think ideally he could be like Nicholas Batum maybe because he's a good defender like a good rib protector and like paint protector for like a guy who doesn't who doesn't have huge reach or length yeah he's very good very good rotator like like Ursula Silva good Ursula Silva is one of the best at that um he has like a good ball handler, very good passer, very good like hit ahead passer, like, excellent at that. Problem is he he doesn't he's not good enough at offense that he's gonna get the ball in that situation a lot. So he's gonna be more of a four who can pass the ball sometimes. Um, he's built pretty well. He some it, it's weird. He a lot of stretches where he'll, he he can be like a Jay Crowder level shooter sometimes where like he'll go like zero for thirteen and then he'll go like seven for twelve and like. There's almost no way of telling when. Um, I think he's going to be below average shooter overall, though, because he just has inconsistent mechanics and just doesn't seem to... Like, he's been working on it, but he's not the kind of guy who likes doing shooting pull-ups. He, he tries to get to the rim a lot and get into the paint. And he's had... I feel bad because he's played on some teams, especially like the any of the under-18 Israeli teams or the under-20 Israeli teams, where he's, with one other exception, is the only talented player. And so teams would just swarm him and beat his ass. Like, it, it, <laughs> he had some games where he was, like, four for 24. You know, it's just, like, awful performances. But he was still obviously the most talented player on the floor. He just – I kind of wish he'd come through the, the American high school system because it would have been interesting to see how he really reacted against top-level talent. He still really hasn't played, like, against elite talent. And his numbers are good. They're not really, like, mind-blowing. But at the same time, they're all, they've always consistently been like 17, 5, and 5. And it's like, that's, there's use in that. Um, I think like maybe Saric is kind of a comp to – Yeah. Like I think I think he could start. I think he could end up being your fifth, fourth or fifth starter. But I don't know where the – we talked about this before <clears throat> with a couple people. I don't know where the improvement comes from. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Denny 
the you know the the Sarge comp is one that's something out there. It's not it's not a bad one. I think you know bigger, more physical Nick Batum is a pretty reasonable one, and that'd be a really good player. Obviously, um, it's just that that's my biggest concern. I, I think I'm pretty confident Denny's going to be a useful player, and that's not a shot at him at all. I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, the problem is if you're taking him where he's been rumored to go, like as early as two. Um, you, you kind of want some more upside than I think he has. Like, what do you think about – okay, here's, here's something, broadly speaking. There's this notion that he's a point forward. Uh, I, I don't Sometimes really, he looks like it. Yeah, he, he can handle the ball. He can pass. He can, like – he can handle the ball as a secondary for me. The problem is I don't see him as a, as a dynamic ball handler creator. That's, that's where I don't get it with that. Can, can he do a little bit of that? Yes. Can he make decisions that are good? Yes. I just don't – I don't see him, like – being a primary creator in an offense. And I think that's what you hear from people that that like love him is like, that's in his toolbox. I don't really see that part of it. Well, that's, that's sort of where the Sarich thing comes from because Sarich, when he was coming out, when he was in, still playing in Europe, he was like his number one skill was like his flashy passing. And he was like this great, hit great vision. And that's sort of what Denny's been. And we learned pretty quickly, like Sarich is not a particularly impactful passer in the NBA. Like he doesn't, he makes good passes, but he's not, he's not running freaking rolls he's not like getting out of the top of the key and doing and making like really dynamic reads and, and breaking down the defense right that's sort of where like like he's been compared to Luka Doncic which is ridiculous yeah that's, that's so- sort of where players like him really like I, I do I do like inviting I do like talking with them together because players like him really illustrate how much of an absolute anomaly Luka is because Luka can do that does do that stuff at 6-8 and like that's not what people do normally like well, usually... and we also and we also saw that on film that's the thing about that's it's it's unfair to denny to use to like draw the luca comp because it's just like it's just not a thing that well it's, not, it's unfair to him but it's also it's also making him a lot more money because luca's good now so oh yeah i'm not i'm not saying it's probably good for denny in the draft i'm just saying yeah. it's not it's not fair to wherever he ends up going to have this baseline expectation that like oh he might be the next luca like no nah, man that's not what he is i'm sorry like I don't even see that as a possibility. I don't see him 100th percentile outcome. Is Denny Abdia a star? I don't think he is. Even even at the absolute apex, I could be wrong, but I especially don't see you know Luca's superstar upside. I don't even see Abdia. Okay, here's here's a question: What is the percentage chance that Denny Abdia is an All Star once in his career? Five percent, ten percent. Yeah, and that that and honestly, being a one-time All-Star can also be fluky. Like we saw, like Sabonis make the All-Star teams. Yeah, I mean Sabonis made the All-Star team this year, and you know I like AJ Armstrong. I love Sabonis, but there are guys like that. So that, that well, the biggest reason he can't be Luca and he can't be a star is that um, when's the last time you you heard about Luca shooting fifty-five percent from the line? Okay, that that's, my, that's actually my next question is like, okay, what is the shooting like for Danny? Because there was a lot of buzz when they restarted, there were some workout videos, his jump shot went in for a few games and suddenly it was like, all all is well with a jump shot. And I am always skeptical of that stuff. Yeah. It's a good thing that it looked better and looked cleaner, but his shooting has never been a strength. The next 10 games, it was like 20%. Right. It went away and no one talked about that, but I mean, I'm not trying to bury him, but the free throw thing is, is a concern. And also he just never put together even like a half season of good shooting. No. He's just he's not a shooter. How much do you I mean, okay, I guess the question is what what do you think his shooting is gonna be? Is he someone that has to be guarded at the NBA level eventually? That's that's kinda of all that matters in well, some ways. Hopefully, but like yeah, it's not it's not really impressive and I don't but the free throw percentage 
tells me that there's not much room for growth. That's again, that's the sad, that's the number you look at. I guess it could be okay. The, the argument against that is that maybe it could be just like a mental block at the free throw line, but that's a hard sell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, see, those, those usually don't go that way though. Like you usually don't have a guy, I guess DeAndre Jordan, but DeAndre Jordan was physical too. Like he just couldn't manipulate the ball right. Like, yeah, usually when a guy gets to 55% who's not a center, it's usually going the other way, like Iguodala did. Like, LeBron's got a mental block at the free throw line. It's never gotten better, really. Like, he's a little bit better free throw shooter than he was, but he's never become, like, an elite free throw shooter. So, like, But LeBron, LeBron also shoots, it, like, 70% of the line, not 55. Yeah. But, like, if, if LeBron can't do something mentally, I don't think it can be done. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's probably a good point. I, I just think that, you know, it, it, would it be nice if Denny was suddenly a good shooter? Yeah, it would be cool. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I, I like Denny as a prospect. I like Denny. I think I, he, does, he does a lot of things that I actually value more than most, like his, his off-ball defense. His, he knows where to be. He's a ball mover on offense. Like, he's a good cutter. He's, a good, he's good in transition. All the stuff that I, that's, like, undervalued, he does all of it very well. It's just that I don't, I don't see how it's supposed to work at a high, high level without the shooting. He can still be a good player without shooting and, like, be a nice supporting rotation level forward. But he's not – okay, here, here's a question for you, Brian. What is his best skill? What, what is his outlier good skill? So making rotations in the paint and making outlet passes. So, I, I, okay, I, I agree with both those things, but that doesn't sound like a – like an outlier good skill. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say those are outlier skills. Those are just his best skills. Yeah, so – and that's not, again, I'm not piling on. I think he's going to be a good player, but it's just really hard to project someone to be like a top three player on a, on a good team if they don't have a single outlier trait. Yeah. It's just not something that's that usually happens. It's not impossible, I guess, that he could break out in some way, but he's just more of a do-everything role player extraordinaire, which is fine. And like, at you know, at six in a bad draft, that's fine. But like at two... Like the Warrior stuff is out there. I just don't, I don't see the upside to do that. And I know the Warriors are in a weird spot. And actually, aside from just being number, number, number two team and wanting his, one of their clients to be paid, Denny would be awesome in terms of like Golden State and what they actually value. He actually would be good there. <laughs> it's just that you wouldn't take, I wouldn't take him at two. Two is just too, it's just too high. Well, he wouldn't be the guy I'd take anyway. I would take a Kongwu if I was him, but hey. Oh, that's fine. I actually, I would rather have a Kongwu as well. I, I'm just saying, Given that the, that the buzz is out there, you know, if all, of all the places that Denny could go, Golden State's a pretty good place for him. Oh like yeah, his, he has to do. He has to do the least. Do the least, and he also like does the little stuff that they need, like the like the ball, like the ball movement on offense, the off ball defense. Like he he just kind of checks all those boxes that doesn't need to do a ton. Um, so I guess this is the where I where I where I ask you about him in Atlanta because if he's available at six, I think the Hawks certainly could take him. I'm not telling you they would, but I think he definitely would be on their radar if he, if he got to six. Um, what would you make of that? Because they have guys at, the, at that position, but he's, you know, he's kind of a hybrid forward. Everyone could use that another hybrid forward. Like, would you, if the Hawks took, if the, yeah, if the Hawks took would, him at it six, would be very inspiring. He's not yeah. going to be inspiring no matter where he goes. He's like, I don't know. I think there'd be some overlap with him and Hunter and there not is a way some, to like, yeah. Not in a way that, like, you can't have enough wings, but I don't really think either guy's, like, a wing. They're both, they're they're both, both three fours. fours. I mean, they're both hybrid forwards. I, I think that 
Because a wing is someone who guards down. That's like that's like the, the textbook definition. They guard they guard down or they guard up. Yeah. I don't really think those guys can guard down. I think that I think like Hunter that. might be able to eventually, but I, I understand the concern that you would have there. And um, you know, the other thing about Denny is that you know he doesn't really do the stuff that the Hawks kind of need when you're when you're playing with when you're playing around a um, a guy like Trey who's like the sun and the moon and the stars for you. Denny's not a great floor spacer. And he's not a great defender. So it's like, what is his can, what is his principal role for you going to be? Is he your start? Is he your starting four? Like, no, they have Collins. Like, I mean, you can use a death piece, but like, what is, I don't know, five years from now, if you draft any of Dia, what are you hoping he's going to be in Atlanta? That's yeah. my question. Yeah. Uh, your fifth starter. And that's fine. But like, I don't know. I, I think I would be looking you for could more find upside. Starter. And this is, I have Denny in the top 10, but you could find Me a too. fifth starter. You could go sign Nate Hinton to be your fifth starter. Like, he could do that. Well, well especially when like... – I'm someone – you mentioned earlier, like, the, the you, can't have, you can't have too many wings thing. I actually subscribe to that, and I think the Hawks could certainly add another body at the three and the four. But at, at number six, and this is – you're hoping if you're the Hawks, this is your last good draft pick for a long time – to aim as low as that is on the upside scale would not be my favorite thing in the world. And it's different. Like if they draft, and we'll get to him too. If they, if they drafted Devin Vassell, Devin Vassell is like a ready-made, at least the good version of Devin Vassell is a ready-made three and D player that fits literally anywhere and could be a starter for you, et cetera. That's an easier sell to me than Denny Abdia. Even if I, I get it with Denny, but especially, especially for Atlanta, doesn't Vassell make more sense than Denny? I think he does. Yes. Well, because Devin is better at offense and at defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a world in which he's not better on offense, but I, I think he's better on defense. Like pretty. I don't really because uh, Vassell has – first off, the shooting thing, I don't actually put stock in that. That seems like it was him trying to <laughs> – We'll come to back to that, out, I promise. Uh, we're we're, we're going to yeah, get to that. Him trying to figure out a way to shoot from 30 because he has problems with, like, getting the ball off, like, leg, like, leg lift problems. But – yeah, I don't think that's because Vassell is an elite offensive rebounder, and he always has been. He's a monstrous offensive rebounder. Well, he and he also has he he also has a track record of being a good shooter that Denny does not have. Yes, being a very good shooter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I yeah I don't think there's nothing dynamic about Denny. He's just like pretty good. That's it. And the and funny like, the funny thing is, Brian, I am like known for enjoying boring players that do a lot of things well, and I like Denny. This is like – it comes across like I don't like Denny, and that's just not the case. I, I just don't – I have a problem trying to figure out what his upside is. That's my only concern with him, but that's a real concern. Like, it, that's a problem in the top six of a draft. I think the difference is, like, because I am ai was a big Grant Williams guy. Grant Williams is kind of a boring player. Grant has, like, outlier physical attributes too. And, like, Denny just is, like – he's the perfect three out of five at basically everything. And I think you, he needs – if he was longer or taller – or better athlete, you'd be like, oh, he can grow into this other stuff, but he kind of can't. So he's just fine. Like, he's fine. He will be a fifth starter. I think that's what he's going to be. And it's just kind of, that's it. That's, that's all That's all he is. Like, it's there's nothing, he's not inspiring, but he is the good basketball player. So it's it's a weird, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going I'm to ask you, as the final thing here, uh, if I were to ask you to sell Denny to me, like you can be as optimistic, as uh, positive as you want to be. What is the best case scenario for Denny Abdia? What, what does it look like if it really breaks right and it's like a 95th percent outcome for him? 
Um, no, like I, I don't know. Like he, is, he could be like he, he shoots better. He shoots better, and he becomes like a real secondary ball handler. Yeah, and okay. he's like uh, he becomes like kind of what I want to say like like uh, what Jalen Brown was before he took a jump, but Jalen was always more athletic, so it doesn't really work. There's not really anybody who has who is that. I, Which, I like the you know, I like the Batum thing from earlier, by the way. Okay, so if yeah, if, Batum, like Blazers say, Batum, but Blazers Batum was freakish, he had freakish length. That's what he always has. Well, this the the the, the counterpoints of that would be he's like the high. It's like he's like the like the closer to power forward version of Nick Batum, where Batum was like really playing the wing for the duration, despite his incredible length for the most part. He was a wing, like a more of a pure wing in a lot of ways. I don't know. I agree with you, though. The the way for Denny to actually make uh, an upside leap that we don't project is if he fixes his jumper and or, like, really develops on the ball as a ball handler. Maybe he's just more athletic than I think he is. Like, I think he's actually a pretty good athlete. I really do. I think he's a pretty good athlete. He's going to get the the dumb people, like, saying that, he, you know, making the stupid white European stuff about him. He's a good athlete. He's not, he's, he's not a bad athlete at all. That's not a concern for me. It's yeah. just that he's not he's not he's not like overly dynamic, but I actually don't worry about his athleticism too much. The problem is offensively, when you're not like a great shooter and you're not like a dynamic off ball creator, uh, what's the offensive skill set supposed to be? Like ball moving, I guess is one. I don't know. I'm trying I'm trying really hard, Brian, because I like Denny. I really do. I just have a hard time selling the upside to people when they even when they ask me. Like Hawks fans will ask me why yeah. i'm not like begging for denny and that, that's the that's the reason why i don't do it if, if, they, if, they, if they did it at six I, I swear to god the next morning i would not come on and kill them because i think denny at six in this draft is not like is not bad as a pick it really isn't the it's thing, just not exciting I'll say, he's hard to sell because i think if you're really selling someone you would be willing to trade up for them and i would never do that for Denny. no i mean i I wouldn't trade up for really anybody, but um, I definitely there's wouldn't a, there's I agree. Three or four guys I would trade up for, and I don't mean okay. I don't mean like in the lottery. I mean like okay. Let's say for some weird reason he fell to like thirty-five. I still probably wouldn't trade up for him. Well, I, I would at that point. But it, there's always a, there's always a point. But I, I understand what you're saying is that he is yeah, not yeah, the kind yeah. of player you trade up for. He's not. And this is by the way the same problem. This is the same argument I made about DeAndre Hunter last year, and they did it anyway. But. Um, not you don't you, you get in trouble when you when you when you trade up for like definite role players that's not ever really a good idea like guys that do not have at least kind of star upside yeah you don't trade, that's what you, for, trade you, you, you don't trade for those guys up for those guys i mean um no and in the, and, and this class it's a lot easier to argue for trading up for like isaac Coro than denny in my opinion and, and it's not like i it's, it's not like i have isaac Coro like so far ahead of denny on my board but i can i can see isaac Coro being a starish player easier well, than yeah, Isaac if he shoots he like he could be Timmy Butler. Well and <laughs> like he that. has and he has outlier traits and that's goes back to what we said before. Isaac Core has outlier traits. He's an outlier athlete. He's an outlier defender, like on ball defender and stuff like that. We'll, 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 we'll get to him too, but it's just like it's easier to see that as a selling point than it is for Denny, who just, like, does it. And, by the way, it's not a bad thing to do everything well. Like, Denny doesn't have a huge weakness either. Like, maybe his jump shot's a weakness, but there's something to be said for being pretty good at everything. And he is. But, yeah, I think in this – I think you can find a guy who does that later in the draft or easier. Now, if he falls to you, take him. I, I would be – Oh, yeah, it's like – Again, it's, it's, it's totally fine. Him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a decent grade to, but I'm not – I'm just not – I agree. 
we'll probably be talking about it on, on the night of the draft. You know, we'll probably be talking about it for dime or something. And if the Hawks take him at six, or if you know someone trades back to the Knicks pick, if, if the Knicks go up to two and take somebody, and the Warriors go, go the Warriors go back down to eight and take Denny, it's like, yeah, great, that's fine, like totally fine. Um, say you know, it's just that if you if you take Denny at three. Or if you're the Warriors and you just take Denny because he's the guy you like, I guess you just take the guy you want in, in a draft that's that's super flat. But um, it's just a hard sell for me. Anyway. Yeah. All right, Brian. Well, thank you for doing this again, man. Um, we will uh, have a couple more of these coming, hopefully, if I can beg you to come back on the podcast. But uh, go ahead and tell me where, where, where they can find your stuff again. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cosmos. And then I'm on Dime and I'm on Twitter doing a lot of dumb lists because I don't go to bed till two in the morning. Brian is asleep. You, probably, probably, probably less than I do. You're one of the few people in the world that sleeps less, sleeps less than I do. So no, I sleep a lot. I just, I just, I get up at like ten. So well, there you go. I don't. <laughs> I, I work. I work second shift. I work second shift, so I can sleep pretty much to whenever I want. There you go. Uh, well, thanks again, Brian. Everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.